Hey guys, welcome back to Teen Muscle Radio and this is episode number 41. So today we are joined by Brandon Waidas and we are going to be talking a lot about nutrient timing in this episode. And Brandon himself, albeit his name has probably been butchered by me, (laughs) uh, he is a pro bodybuilder. And he also runs his own coaching company. So very similar to me with regards to coaching primarily physique athletes to the stage, or at least that's where I see my business heading in the future. I'm not too sure if Brandon works still with some general population or or people that don't have plans to compete. But he has been owning that business since 2015. So very similar to me again with the sort of the length of time that he's been in the fitness industry. And Brandon himself started competing in 2011. He owned he earned his pro card in 2015 and then went on to actually do a pro show in the same year and win that. Um Brandon how I found out about Brandon and how I followed Brandon was through Facebook and me and Brandon seem to post quite similar messages and we were talking off air with regards to like how we agree on quite a few things and we tend to post like a status each day and what really stood out to me about Brandon and why I approached him to come on the podcast is because me as a coach like I'm inspired by people that obsess with consistency and Every single day I'd log on to Facebook and it would be the same people posting. It's like Brandon and Cliff. Brandon and Cliff are probably like, there's there's others for sure, but you're probably the two most consistent American people posting on Facebook that I see. And yeah. that really stands out to me and I, I, I love that stuff. So that's why I approached Brandon. And yeah, like I said today, we're going to talk a lot about nutrient timing and how that can affect you as as more of an advanced athlete so bodybuilders physique athletes or people that are really looking to take their physique to the next level like you don't have to want to compete for this to matter to you but we will just see where this conversation takes us so brandon welcome to the podcast and also just like for the listeners any other background on yourself potentially how you correctly say your surname and (laughs) (laughs) give give the listeners some background on you and uh for for anyone that doesn't know you explain what you're about and and what you do yeah absolutely well i just wanted to thank you first of all aj for having me on the on the podcast today i was really excited to do this because i'm always tuning in uh to listen to what to the the people that you have on here and they're you know it's always big name people so for you to have me on here i really appreciate that too um, but my last name is Wattis. Wattis. Uh, that's how you properly say it, so don't worry, everybody butchers it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, I'm a professional natural bodybuilder. I turned pro in 2015. I happened to win a pro show that year, too. Uh, but, you know, I've been in the game, you know, about as long as you have. You know, about 2011, sure. I started competing, and uh, I dotted for my first contest for, for three weeks hmm. and just kind of jump, jumped into it. So I really didn't know what I was doing, you know, in 2011. But as I got into the sport, you know, I started to fall in love with it. You know, I, I competed actually two years in a row, probably a big mistake. Um, we were talking about, you know, gaining phases. I didn't take a long gaining phase there. But sure. then I took that time off to grow, you know, to 2015. And then, you know, I've been rolling ever since. So, I, you know, in 2015, after I turned pro, I was kind of prepping some people there, you know, okay. as I was dieting. But then, you know, after I competed, I, I really put a lot of energy into the business. You know, like you said, posting every day, there's there's a reason why you see me posting every day, and that's because, you know, it helps definitely grow the business. 11 o'clock Central Time, if anybody wants to tune in uh, for my Facebook post. <laughs> it is every day at 11 o'clock. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been coaching people. I've had some pretty moderate success, you know, with physique athletes, cool. uh, mainly in the figure section. Uh, okay. I, 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 do, I do coach bodybuilders. Yep. I just happen to have the most success, you know, with some figure athletes turning quite a few girls pro. And more recently this year, I had a, a girl win a couple pro shows, you know, in figure. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to talk about, you know, some nutrient timing today. It is a very wide subject. Uh, you know, there's a lot of myths and hopefully we bust some of those today. Uh, so let's just dive right into it. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, the great history is it definitely intri- intrigues me about sort of figure. And one mm-hmm. question before we jump into nutrient timing, how why do you think you maybe attract figure athletes or, or female athletes with regards to your coaching and and do you coach like do you still coach any sort of more 
people that don't want to step on stage or is your business primarily heading towards just coaching physique athletes? Yeah, it's it's pretty much, I would say if I had to put a number on it, like 90% physique athletes. Okay. I do take on a few uh, non-competitors, but those are only highly recommended by my current physique athletes. So okay. I really don't take on too many general population, but you know, if somebody's really highly recommended that they have a good work ethic, you know, and they're looking for the results, I will work with them. But yeah, absolutely physique athletes. And to answer your, your previous question, you know, why figure? I had some early, early success with some figure athletes turning them pro. Okay. And then, you know, more and more people have been inquiring with me recently. And just last week I, I got an inquiry saying that I was a figure specialist. <laughs> now I, uh, the pro I maker. Kinda, I, yeah, I kinda had a laugh. Um, and I was like, okay, I mean, I'll take it, uh, figure specialist, but yeah. you know, like I, I, like I said, you know, I do coach bodybuilders. I have a, quite a few bodybuilders actually going next season, okay. uh, in, in the 20, 2018 season when I step on stage. Uh, so yeah. it just happens to be, you know, a lot of figure athletes, some bikini sprinkled in there. Uh, I got a good physique guy competing at the end of the season, but yeah, mainly here for whatever reason. Amazing. Wicked. Okay, cool. So I think first things first, Brandon, it's good to potentially start off this topic with what we mean by nutrient timing. Yep. So if you could just give us a ballpark definition of what nutrient timing means and potentially what it means to us as advanced athletes. Right, right. So I do want to start off with something before we get into it. Sure. Uh, and it's just about the importance of nutrient timing in respect to everything else, right? So uh, you know, we have to have our total calories, our energy balance, you know, calories in versus calories out. That has to be number one, absolutely. absolutely. And then ne next thing we have to do is have our, our, micro, our macro and micronutrients taken care of before we even start to worry about, you know, nutrient timing. So once those are out of the way, then we could dive into, you know, to nutrient timing because some guys start at the top. They're like, all right, I need to get my nutrient timing down. I need to take as many supplements as I can yeah. and I want to see what happens. Well, if the first three things aren't in order, then, you know, we're just kind of wasting our time. So anyway, to get back to nutrient timing, hmm. you know, depending on a lot of people, you know, focus on their, their pre-workout meal and their post-workout meal, right? Sure. And those are the, the two things that we really try to time out per se. But I also like to incorporate in nutrient timing the frequency of the meals that we're actually eating. So that's another big part of it. Uh, you know, depending on how many meals we're eating per day, you know, in conjunction to what time of the day that we're training. So that's one of the first things that I actually ask my prospective clients is like, all right, you know, where, where, are your, where are your macros at? You know, how much cardio are you doing? But what time of day are you training? Because I don't, I don't know how you set up, you know, your nutrition programs, but sure. I centered or I centered her out, you know, on a word document based off of the time of day that you train. So, you know, if you're pre, if you okay. train in the evening, you know, your pre-workout meal is going to be later in the day, obviously. And everything before that is going to fall into play, you know, based off of your, your training time. If it's cool. early in the morning, then it's going to be different, right? So everybody's nutritional program is different based off the time that they train. Cool. Now, do you give macros as a whole and just and do you say sort of in this word document or the plan do you mm -hmm. say this is this is the macro amount i want per meal or do you give a meal plan with specific foods and if there are specific foods on there mm -hmm. potentially why are there specific foods on there right and and that can sort of lead into some some nice nutrient timing discussion potentially right yes 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 and so i do a little bit of both so although you do have a daily total of macros at the bottom of this of this document. It is broken down per meal, right? Okay. So, you know, it's broken down into size and quantity. So, you know, the, the carbs, the proteins, and the fats per meal, mm -hmm. and it's going to be spaced accordingly. Now, okay. you, you did ask me if there's assigned foods. There's not necessarily like you have to eat this much grams of potato for mm -hmm. this meal. Yeah. But the way that I do it, it's all based off of the glycemic index, okay. right? So, um Pre pre workout, you know, I, I might see some kind of higher glycemic carbs in there, depending on how soon you're going to work out. So obviously, the closer to a workout that you're going to be, the higher the glycemic carbs are. You know, for instance, and we're going to get into it, but let's say like a pre workout shake, you're going to want to have some kind of super high glycemic carb in there, like dextrose or cluster dextrin, okay. if you have those carbs just to you know, spike the blood sugar a little bit to help with performance. Sure. Uh, any, any other time, I like to see pretty much a low to mid glycemic index. 
And that's just, once again, to make sure that we're not eating a bunch of sugary foods all day. That's the last thing I want to do my, have my clients, you know, is have them eat sugar all day. Even though, you know, it might not theoretically hinder your weight loss. Yeah. You know, we need to be make sure we're eating whole foods. We need to make sure our fiber's up. And then eating lower to mid-glycemic index kind of carbs is going to make sure that we keep sustained longer because they're going to break down slower in the system. So they, awesome. although there's not necessarily recommended foods, okay. you know, you ha the client gets to pick based off of glycemic index which foods they want to select for that meal. Awesome. So I, I think it'd be wise for us to roll through each macronutrient and cool. discuss its importance when it comes to nutrient timing. So Absolutely. if we start with something which is quite heavily understood in the fitness industry with regards to its timing or or potential right. optimal timing so let's start with protein now okay. give sort of your general recommendations when it comes to how you would time protein across the course of the day and whether there's right. any difference between your timing of protein during fat loss phases versus mm -hmm. gaining phases uh, and just any sort of timing topic on protein Right. So I will start there. You know, if you're in a massing phase or a deficit phase, you know, they, it is going to be a, a big difference of importance. So sure. let's go where you're currently at right now, you know, in a deficit. You know, it's going to be a lot more important for you to get your, your protein space throughout the day, okay. you know, appropriately because you're trying to preserve as much muscle mass as possible. You know, I'm in a fairly large, you know, surplus right now, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my protein doesn't need to be spaced like yours because I'm already in a surplus. I have a ton of aminos floating around my system basically at all times of the day. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm repairing myself. I'm probably eating too much protein at the time. But that's, you know, basically what an off-season is. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for anybody that's in a deficit, I do recommend that you space it out, you know, anywhere between three and five hours according to, you know, how, mu how many grams of protein that you have over the course of the day. I will say this. You know, let's say for a bikini athlete that's not eating as much as, let's say, like myself, a bodybuilder. I, you know, a bikini athlete, you don't want to see them eating six or seven meals a day because the amount of protein per meal is going to be way too small, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah. I, I recommend for, I have some of my bikini clients actually eating, you know, four or five meals a day sure. just so the protein quantity is more per meal. Mm. So then, so get into protein a little bit deeper, and I kind of did some math before we got into this. Hmm. I actually go off of the leucine content, you know, in the meal itself. So okay. for somebody like you, weighing 160 pounds, right? That's what you roughly weigh. Um, I, yeah, I want to see somebody take in about two and a half grams of leucine per meal. Okay. And for somebody like myself, being around 200 pounds, that number would be up to about three grams of leucine. Now. How do you know how much leucine you know, is in the protein that you're eating, right? That's a valid question. So yeah. whey is pretty much the, the most dense in leucine, I'll say, and sure. it's 10% 10, 10 leucine by nature. Things like you know, casein and soy are about 8% by nature. Okay. So once again, to break it down a little bit of math, just because percentages really don't you know, fit with a lot of people, for you, somebody that's 160 pounds, you should take in about you know 30 to 40 grams of protein per meal, roughly, sure. and maybe that's something similar that you're doing right now. And for myself, being about 200 pounds, it's about 35 to 45 grams, so just a little bit more. Yep. And in reality, it's probably more centered around lean body tissue. And right now, you know, your body composition is a lot leaner than mine. But once again, those are just rough goals. So the difference between us is honestly not that much. It's just enough to spike you know, protein synthesis and help sustain it. So anywhere from two to three grams for you, you know, two, two and a half and three for me. Sure, sure, sure. Now that was really, really good. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's definitely something that I look at when mm -hmm. I plan my day because I think a lot of people when they get into flexible dieting, they will simply look at the numbers and not look at how they're splitting them up. Yep. And they might have a meal and they're like, oh, this will, you know, this will, this will be fine. This is a meal. And that meal contains like 10 grams of protein and like just a ton of carbs. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's just not really a meal anymore. It's not a bonus right. of protein that's going to do them any favors unless they yeah. weigh 50 pounds, which no one does. Right. So I, <laughs> I think that people need to think more especially when they're advanced like this again guys right. like if you're a general population like 
if you're someone that simply is just looking to lose fat regardless like they don't care about muscle retention and you're listening mm-hmm. to this I, I doubt you are because you like most of the people listening to this are advanced and do want right. to take things to the next level so you know this is only relevant to those people because you know whilst whilst you're just wanting to generically lose fat you, mm-hmm. you can you can eat really to preference like obviously if you can maximize muscle lean muscle retention that would actually do some favors (laughs) but but at the end of the day you can generally eat to preference based needs Um, one thing that i did have to ask you with regards to protein Mm -hmm. is when you're looking at 30 to 40 grams of protein per meal or 20 to 30 per meal are we simply looking at total protein in the entire meal or are we looking at protein quantity with regards to the pure protein source in that meal? So are we looking only at the chicken in the meal, at the whey in the meal? Or are we looking at the protein that's coming from the carbohydrates and potentially the fats in the meal also? Right, and that's a, that's a very good question. And this is where some coaches do vary, right? And I've heard of coaches you know, saying that these trace macros don't count. And that's where my you know you know control factor <laughs> wants to take over yeah because i need i need to know exactly what they're intaking right and so the way that i do it it's every all proteins count right mm. now what and this gets back to you know what i was saying about the bikini athletes when they eat uh less frequent meals yeah. right um you know i want the, the protein per meal to come from some kind of a some kind of a meat source or, or some kind of whey, right? Sure. I don't ex- I don't expect their protein to come from, you know, like wheat or barley or something like that because that's not going to be. Now, those grams of protein will count for the, the total, yep. but I expect, and this is where the response, I, you know, in, instead of flexible dieting, I like to call it responsible dieting, right? You know, so we need to pick responsible sources for our protein. You know, sure, can I get protein sources from from vegetables and you know from anything else like wheat and that I can mm-hmm. but is it going to be optimal to spike my leucine to spur protein synthesis you know probably not right so that's where you know the, once again the level of advancement is going to take into consideration here and I do expect my clients to have a certain amount of of brain function going on <laughs> even though you're in a deficit like I know that's yeah. all Sometimes it's it's a lot to ask, right? Where you're like, I need you to think for yourself sometimes, uh, because it is like you said before, and I've read your post. You know, it's about a, it's a learning process, right? This is something that we need to be able to do for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And you know, you need to be able to say, okay, this is a quality protein source, and this is a not quality protein source. Well, let me choose this one, and I don't have to email you know Brandon or AJ asking them which which protein source I need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, to- I totally agree with everything you said there. And I think another issue that crops up, and I'm not sure if you've had this or you do anything specific to combat this. It's a little bit off topic with regards to nu- nutrient timing, but I think it's important that people hear about this is mm-hmm. the idea that when we're in a gaining phase, we constantly push up carbohydrate intake and we aim to get this as high as possible. The right. issue the issue arises or the issue that I found is with people that don't realize the importance of quality protein they right. keep they keep protein at the recommended dose per gram mm-hmm. like a 1 yep. to potentially higher right. end 1.75 per gram mm-hmm. um, yep. per, per pound of body weight sorry and then what happens is we we accrue a lot of protein from carbohydrate sources mm-hmm. now in the off season, in a gaining phase, would you be yes. inclined to take protein intakes higher to combat this? And have you done <laughs> that with the clients that you work with? I'm laughing because absolutely yes. Yeah. So mm. right now, although I'm 200 pounds, I take in 300 grams of protein a day. And awesome. for my clients, uh, so we and to put that in you know terms of numbers, right, to help everybody else understand, you know, I go all the way up to about 1.5 grams per pound of body weight. Okay. Um, you know. And do I ever really get there? Not too often with too many clients, um, but you know they'll be 1.3, 1.4 for sure. Now yeah. in the off season, the numbers do get higher for the reasons that that you say. Uh, just yeah. so we are making sure we're taking in a quality protein source. Now as contest prep goes along, and this is where some people might freak out, I actually do lower protein 
accordingly because as we get leaner, you know, we don't have as, as much lean body tissue that we need. Plus, those protein sources are going to be a little bit, little bit better decisions, right? We're going to be eating more chicken, you know, more turkey, more lean beef. Uh, so we don't need that high extra protein from the, the carbohydrate sources that we're getting. Cool. That, and I also lower protein just because it's, you know, it makes way for some extra calories, right? Then we could eat a few more grams of carbs and not have to eat all this protein and eat so few carbs. And now when I say decrease protein, I'm not talking about slicing it by 100 grams. I'm talking about, you know, slowly bringing it down just like you would anything else, but still keeping enough in there and well above the one gram per pound of body weight for sure. I don't think I've ever had anybody go lower than one gram per pound, honestly, even in contest prep. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with, with the no lower than a gram per pound. Mm -hmm. I, myself, I've been as low as a gram per pound in one, my 2015 contest prep. Okay. That was when I had to really push and I didn't mm -hmm. do that for very long. The reason yeah. I did it is my fats were already so low and so were my carbs. Right. You got to take away something. Yeah, expenditure was high. I just had to do something. Yep. And that's what I had to do. And I do think looking back that, and this is why purposely this time, I've not dropped protein from where I think is the minimum I want to go. I won't mm -hmm. go any further unless I really have to. Is because I do think when I did make drastic cuts from my protein intake, I did probably sacrifice some lean muscle mass yep. at some point, um, combined with the fact that I was simply dieting for longer and pushing conditioning, right. mm -hmm. um, which actually in the in the long run didn't work out, which is you know <laughs> a topic for another podcast. But yeah. it's it's very important that people realise the importance of you know keeping dietary protein at a certain level, and then mm -hmm. like we said, like we've said in the discussion situating it across the course of the day evenly and then making sure that you're taking awareness of the quality of your protein sources as well both right. gaining and dieting because yep. it, it breeds relevance for sure so mm -hmm. another thing with regards to protein that people harp on about is post-workout and mm -hmm. you know there's lots of products out there whether you're in a gaining phase or a massing phase that you could potentially yep. buy that you know on if it's got phil heath on the side or <laughs> Well, Kai Green and he yeah, did him doing a rear double bicep and people are like, wow, I'm going to turn into Kai Green with this protein. So yep. obviously you have <laughs> you have nutritional like guidelines with regards to the foods that potentially clients want to eat pre-post-workout. Yep. What yep. would you generally recommend as a, as a post-workout go-to? And uh, does the importance of the post-workout shake perhaps increase with regards to body composition and where people are headed with that? Yes, you know, and this does get very complicated. And what I will say is that no matter what, everybody does have a protein shake post-workout. Now, the timing of that is, we'll get there in a little bit, but uh, carbohydrates are also a big factor when it comes to post-workout nutrition. Okay, sure. And that's where some people say you have to absolutely have carbohydrates in your system directly after, yeah. and other people say, you know, no, you don't need them. So my stance has always been, you know, if your diet, if you're eating enough carbs, if you could fit them in post-workout and it's not going to negatively affect the rest of your day, mm. put them in. So, yeah. for instance, a lot of my clients take in some kind of high glycemic carb, you know, pre, intra, and post if they have it. Okay. So, I take dextrose just because it's cheap and easy and I take 20 grams pre, intra, and post. So, that's actually 60 grams of dextrose, 60 grams of carbs, Carry workout. you know, in, in, the, in my workout or around my workout, I should say. Now, somebody that's dieting, uh, you know, those will be taken away uh, just because they're not absolutely necessary. And when people say that you have to have carbohydrates post-workout, a lot, their reasoning behind it is that, oh man, I need to refill my glycogen stores. Well, sure. you know, that that's true. It does, if you, you, if you have some carbohydrates post-workout, it will help refill glycogen stores, right? Because if you're slamming, dex if you're slamming 40 grams of dextrose post-workout, you know, it's going to get absorbed into the bloodstream very quickly and it's going to replenish your glycogen. But for a physique athlete, you know, and that's what we are, why do we need to replenish them so quickly? And I'll tell you, you don't. You, you absolutely don't need to. Um, for somebody that is doing, you know, I'm actually a big cycling fan, believe it or not. I watch the Tour de France every single year and I follow awesome. it year round. Um, so somebody that is, let's say, participating in the Tour de France, 
they need to replenish their glycogen because they're going to ride 200 miles the next day. Yeah. For us, you know, we're not beating up that same body part every single day, right? You know, you sure. train legs maybe twice a week. Yep. You know, some people maybe three times a week, but we're giving that body part a time of rest. And during that time of rest, we're replenishing our glycogen no matter what we're doing. As long as, you know, we're still eating enough glycogen, it's going to go intramuscular. Sure. Do you need to do you need to slam, you know, 20 to 40 grams of carbohydrates post workout? You don't have to. I mean, if mm -hmm. you want to, go for it, but once again, let's be a little bit smarter in, you know, distributing our carbohydrates and where they could be a little bit more effective. Also from a satiating standpoint, you know, are you yeah. going to want to drink 40 grams of dextrose post-workout or do you want to you know eat 40 grams worth of you know low to mid glycemic carbs later on in the day that's going to keep you a lot more sustained you know you, you pick yeah 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 i mean with with regards to pulling the carbohydrates around the peri-workout window in terms of taking them away from the diet as we try right. to increase the deficit which ones out of preference would you pull first in terms of would you pull the pre, would you pull the intra or the post yep. and why? So uh, I always will pull the, the pre and the intra okay. first before anything, mainly because I still do believe that you do get some benefit from having carbohydrates post-workout. It is shown to help yeah, support some, protein synthesis. There's some research on it, and it's still conflicting, but mm. it's it's shown to elevate protein synthesis for a little bit longer post-workout. Yeah. You know, the only the only reason why I like to have it pre and intra is just to help you know blue, boost blood sugar to help with performance. Now, we could put put our pre-workout meal a little bit closer to the workout, and that kind of ex, you know excludes the need to have high glycemic carbs right before the workout because we've eaten carbs, you know, fairly close. Yeah. The so that's why in order I'll pull the the pre first, then the intra and then post. The only reason why I like to keep the intra second is because, you know, I know you have marathon workouts just like myself, you know, yep. 2 plus hours, right? Yeah. And those can get taxing. And <laughs> just to keep your blood sugar a little bit elevated during these marathon workouts, you know, to help with performance. Obviously, you want performance to be optimal because you know, like somebody that yourself is in a deficit, you want to try to hold on to as much muscle as possible. And, you know, somebody that's squatting like 400 pounds, like you're pretty much doing, you know, that's, that's taxing. I don't know how you're doing that, by the way, you know, squatting that much in a deficit. I always tune into your, your live yeah, videos and troll you. Um, but, uh, so those workouts are super taxing and that's why you want to keep those carbs, you know, intra workout so you could keep that performance up so you could save that lean tissue. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And, and Brandon, this is something that I've experimented with. In my first ever contest prep, someone led me or, or told me about, I think I was actually gaining, actually before, actually, I lie, it was my second contest prep, so the one that went mm -hmm. quite well, I, I came away with two regional titles. Mm -hmm. um, and someone in my off-season before that, had told I, I was really struggling with my appetite, and they were like, you should try taking in some carbs intra-workout yeah. and you should try this product like highly branched cyclic dextrin which is basically mm -hmm. very low molecular weight version yep. of dextrose so yep. it's really easy yep. to digest right now of course i could have got away with dextrose but i bought this product mm -hmm. really liked it and again just did some research into it and not research with regards to looking at literature because there's not really much literature to support intras but right. there is a lot of anecdotal stuff. Yes. You look at, I think, one of the first person that I found with regards to intra-workout is John Meadows. He mm -hmm. literally raves about the stuff. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. stop talking about it and claims that his, it provides him with some limitless recovery capabilities, <laughs> which obviously we I've, know is... is yeah. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've read the same thing. Yeah, I've seen like, it. I, yeah. I, I just don't get sore anymore. <laughs> And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm like, okay, right. But, you know, it, yeah. it does, what I've found anecdotally is it does definitely provide me with a nice placebo effect. It does. I, I, don't, I don't give a crap whether it's placebo or not because yep. every time I'm tired in a workout, Brandon, I go down, I pick you up my intro workout, I take a like, sip. you're like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm all good. Like, I'm ready <laughs> to go again. And it is, if I was 
reaching down and picking up plain water, I guarantee yeah. I wouldn't get that same effect. No, absolutely or, not. Or at least now that I've had the intro workout, I'd be picking up water and thinking I'm flat. Oh God, like I definitely yeah. can't do another set. I've lost my <laughs> pump. I'd be going crazy. So I think I think that intro workouts is definitely something that people should experiment with. And mm. personally, the way that I situate things is that I actually just, because I situate a load of my carbs pre-workout, and intra workout i don't actually have carbs immediately post which okay. is inter interesting to hear your your views on yeah. that um and it's something i may well try in the future mm -hmm. in my gaining phase i was definitely having carbs post workout because i just yeah. needed to all get the way them through in, all the mm -hmm. way through so but now that i'm having quite a big bolus pre and intra i have my way i slip post workout and mm -hmm. then i head home and about sort of between 30 minutes to 50 minutes post-workout i'll be okay. having more carbohydrates so it's not yep. really a long window of time no and that makes sense now that you're saying that you you eat you know 30 minutes afterwards so yeah. for my clients i mean this this varies based off of you know individual schedules mm. for myself i wait a minimum of an of an hour maybe an hour and a half before i'm actually eating a whole food meal sure. so that's why i do take in carbohydrates post uh, the shakes that I take are uh, a mix of whey and casein, so it just sustains me for a little bit longer okay. after my workout. Uh, so that's why I don't have to jump on a whole food meal right away, and that's that's just the stuff that I'm taking right now yeah. with Core Nutritionals. Yeah, no, I've um, I've I've yeah, I think I've seen some potential research. I'm not sure if it was research or not, or just topics with regards to taking in a blend of proteins yep. post-workout and it yep. potentially providing benefit um reason i think you know the reason i i went for isolate myself is purely because of the digestibility and right. also the macros on it are yes like better than anything else because they're extremely right. low fat extremely low carb and yep. pretty much just protein so that's probably my hmm. preference there in terms of my final thing on protein, it just makes me realize how diverse this topic is when we've been mm -hmm. almost <laughs> yeah. like 35 minutes on just protein. Yeah. But I want to know your opinions on pre-bed pre protein ah, okay. intake because I right think on. there has been some new research that's come out with regards to potential options with regards to amounts and type of protein pre-bed. Not sure if you've seen obviously if, if I know that you're deeply involved in the industry, so you may well mm -hmm. have done. But what's your opinions on pre-bed protein and potential options there? Right. So, you know, this is where this varies a little bit from coach to coach. But I like to yeah. see some kind of a casein blend. Now, it could be it could be food based or it could be shake based. I'm not. I'm not really. I don't really care what what it comes from. Sure. Me personally. I don't like drinking too many shakes a day. I like eating foods. That's yeah. just that's just my personal preference. So instead of eating or drinking some kind of a casein blend, I tend to go more towards dairy at the end of the day in the form of Greek yogurt. So I have like two cups of Greek yogurt okay. with granola and almonds in there. Once again, just because um, you know milk protein takes a little bit longer to digest. Theoretically, I'm going to be more anabolic through the night, mm. right? I'm still going to be you know, delivering amino acids into my bloodstream yep. for hours to come because it takes a little bit longer to break down in the system. Sure. So that's kind of my stance on it. And, you know, once again, I would I would honestly rather see somebody eating before they go to bed just because shakes theoretically take a little bit, take uh, are faster absorbed just because they're in liquid form. Yep. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think from a satiating standpoint, sitting down and eating that heaping bowl, and I know you do the same thing because I see your posts every day, whatever it is, you know, yeah. a big heaping bowl of mess, and you're just <laughs> spooning it down. You're like, dude, I'm eating all this volume right before I go to bed, and t you know, we're talking about a mental standpoint, like, oh, dude, I'm going to bed with a full stomach, like, I feel good. I'm sure you're still hungry, but at least you have a full stomach, right? Makes, makes a load of difference, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yep. sure. I I think that the the pre the pre bed solution when you're dieting is something that provides both mental and like um like a mental feeling that feels good. Right. So like you feel yep. you eat a food that makes you feel good, mm -hmm. and potentially is potentially sometimes is a little bit more 
I know this sounds weird, but it's like a little bit, you put a little bit more time into that meal yes. with regards yep. to the attractiveness of it and right. actually <laughs> sitting down and enjoying it. Because a lot of people yes. throughout the day, like I'm sure that you're very similar to me. You work at home, so you have preference with regards to when you mm-hmm. eat and how you cook, which is yep. amazing. But when I've done like desk jobs in the past, which I have right. done, I've eaten out of Tupperware the entire day. Yep. So coming home to a meal in a bowl, hot, <laughs> is yes. super nice. Yep, so like it it's is. a meal that you can almost take your time with a little bit more. So I think right. I think situating a nice meal from, from a psychological point of view when you're dieting is really, really cool at the end of the yep. day. But on this topic, whilst we're here, the whole idea of a contest prep is obviously for a bodybuilder to maximize muscle retention and yep. also maximize training performance. Mm-hmm. What's your opinions what's... on like preference versus performance-based eating when it comes to contest prep and what have you potentially have you had any issues in the past with athletes or clients that try to do weird things with their food when it comes to like (laughs) pre-bed meals or if it fits your macros flex bowls and (laughs) stuff like this so i've only had out of everyone that i've worked out with i've only had one client that i've had to have a conversation with and that's because she she trained at my gym and I saw the foods that she would eat post-workout. In oh, particular, shit. she was she was buying the I don't know if you're familiar the Lennon Larry's cookies, uh, right? Yeah. The, the, the protein so cookies. Dense. And I go I go listen. I know where your carbs are at right now, and you've been complaining that you're hungry, right? And her carbs were I want to say around 200, let's okay. say. But if you Fuck eat a Lennon Larry's cookies, Jesus Christ, and I go I go you let's let's put those to the side. And let's focus on a little bit more whole foods. Yeah. And a week later, she tells me, man, I'm, I'm making these great like breakfast skillets with potatoes and spinach and eggs. And I just feel so much more full. No, she I said, I said, see, you know, uh, and it, it didn't it didn't matter when she was eating it. It was just the fact that she was eating these Len and Larry's cookies, which are super dense. And sure, like you said, in the off season, go ahead, eat them. But, yeah. you know, contest prep, a handful of weeks out from a show, you know, we do have to make these, you know, more informed decisions. So that's the only time I've really had to get hard on somebody. Yeah. And that's because she was actually, you know, training at the same gym that I was. Uh, but yes, you know, although I see where she said, oh, man, I, I get to eat a cookie, you know, but is this cookie positively affecting my day? No, absolutely. No it's way. hindering us. Now, I will say this because I do it every single day. Mm-hmm. I do eat two or three Oreos. Oh, okay. um, just, to say, just to say that I ate Oreos every single day. Last prep, I did the same thing. I mean, I, I, ate, <laughs> wow. I ate two Oreos every day because it made myself feel good. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. throughout the whole course of the day, obviously, my, my food was from a lot whole, more, more whole food sources. But I will also say that my carbs really didn't get extremely low last time. Uh, I was a couple years younger. My metabolism was a little bit better. Sure. Uh, this time around, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get away with that, honestly. Because mm-hmm. although although I am only 25, I could already tell a difference in metabolism from now and really? from when I was three. Wow. So that's that's probably a whole nother conversation that we could Shit. have about <laughs> metabolic adaptation. <I'm> <laughs> um, so just be aware of that for this upcoming upcoming contest prep that it's probably going to change from year to year definitely for me i mean there's a whole lot of factors that we could talk about but yeah (laughs) yeah no that is that is interesting that you bring that topic up brandon because i'm and i and i thought this was just due to some potential other things but now looking at it i i'm almost definitely dieting on a little bit less food than i initially thought i would be this time yeah and I think that's it, it does confuse me because I've literally got mm-hmm. about 10 pounds more muscle maybe right. 8 yep. to 10 pounds more muscle yep. which is very confusing my activity levels are pretty similar so and my training mm-hmm. intensity is certainly the same right. so you know potentially we could argue uh, several different factors there and like mm-hmm. you said definitely one for another podcast um yeah some some other questions that I just have with you to ask you is I've experimented in the past with situating sort of different amounts of calories throughout the day and something that i found especially as an online coach where we need to be productive as much as people think we sit on a beach all day (laughs) and answer client emails we actually do a shit ton of work 
and we've yeah. put out a lot of content like we're here today spending an hour of our time putting out our right. podcast like that's work and we need to feel yep. productive for this and yeah. something that i found and experimented with is my morning nutrition with regards to productivity and sort mm-hmm. of my mindset and how how i feel from from a mentality point of view and psychologically approaching my work i found that in the past, when I was having, especially when dieting, high carbohydrate and potentially high fat meals in the morning, mm-hmm. I'd find that cognitive issues would arise. I'd feel tired, yeah. sluggish, yep. run down before I'd even started my work. I'd uh-huh. eat, if I ate a bowl of oats in the morning now, boom, I'd be like, the next two hours, like my productivity would be down the drain. Yes. So yes. have you ever sort of like, played around with this yourself like done higher fat meals in the morning that Mm -hmm. potentially like a higher fat lower carb in the morning or just a protein shake whatever like what's your approach to the to breakfast basically right so depending on when you're training like we talked about before good question um if you're gonna have i only i only train with two meals in me every single day so i eat breakfast and a pre-training meal i train every day around noon okay so my first meal on my training days is going to have carbohydrates in it. Of course. Um, yeah. On my non-training days, which today happens to be a non-training day, okay. I usually eat uh, either a couple things for breakfast, but today I had Greek yogurt and strawberries and almonds. Sure. So that's what I had for breakfast. And nice. if you break those down, it's just you know high protein and high fat, yeah. you know, depending on the quantity and and low carb. Sure. Now, did I get hungrier? You know, as the hours went on because the carbohydrates weren't in there. Yeah, I did a little bit, but it wasn't any more so than if the carbohydrates would have been in there. Mm. Now, and you know, I did save some carbohydrates. I did eat before this meal, you know, our conversation so I could, you know, have the cognitive function once again. Mm. And that I have some stuff planned for the rest of the day uh, that I'm going to be a little bit more active for. Uh, So I did, I was saving most of the carbohydrates for the end of the day. Now, if you're training later in the day, let's say like yourself, right? Because you train a little bit later in the day. Sure. I would always recommend some kind of a higher protein, a higher fat meal for, for, for sure breakfast. And then depending on how many meals you're going to have before your training session, then you would increase the carbs slowly as we get to that training. So I kind of taper it up. Uh, so let's say like today, I might have had like, you know, 30 grams of carbs in my first meal sure. if it was a training day. Yeah. So the next meal might be 50. My tre- my pre-training might be 80, you know, and that's it's just a slow taper up just so I make sure that I have enough carbs, you know, in my system leading up to the training session. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think I think that like I'm so happy that you covered the time of training because I think that that is really really important when it comes to how you situate your carbohydrates. Because of course, I I know people. I I'm not sure if I have too many clients actually. I have some clients mostly that train between, like you said, either very similar to you, noon mm-hmm. or then the rest are pretty much evening trainees because yeah that's how their work sort of Mm -hmm. leads out i'm in the middle of ground i'm like sort of three uh normally like three four p.m and that's just because like that's where i find like i I work best and and like you said i have that sort of shake in the morning which is very Mm -hmm. low carb a little bit higher fat high protein and then i'll taper carbs up so from like noon onwards their carb meals coming in absolutely so you know, I think that's that that breeds relevance in like when when you are training, like first thing in the morning. A lot of people say like when they're in gaining phases, they really struggle with appetite. So I think the mm-hmm. best thing that you can do is potentially put in like a shake, like you said, like a dextro shake yep. or you know something of that sort. And then as you're dieting down, I've seen people, you know, replace the dextro shake and have some whole foods in the morning because yep. they've got the hunger there and they need the right. carbohydrates pre-training. I think, man, like I'd psychologically struggle with that kind of setup. I'd really mm-hmm. struggle with having a lot of carbohydrates in the morning training and then the rest yeah. of the day having to run on like slightly lower food. I'd right. really struggle with that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, one other question that I had with regards to fat intake is yes. its its importance or potential importance again pre-bed have you sort of used this at all with clients and what i'm meaning by pre-bed is i found anecdotally that pre-bed fats 
mm-hmm. bumping them up a little bit higher, saving some fats for pre-bed does sometimes for the most part help me sleep quite well it definitely increases my sleep quality a little bit yes have you seen this at all with your clients and do you program that in at all with your nutrition plans yes i do absolutely uh for sure i do put a higher fat meal at the end of the day and they're one of the main reasons too and kind of why i don't have a higher fat meal for my pre-workout meal is because fats slow digestion. digestion yeah. So if you have a, a significant amount of fats and somebody may ask, you know, what's a significant amount? I say really anything above, you know, 12 to 15 grams is a significant amount per meal. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it's gonna, all relative, isn't it? It is, it is all relative, yeah. um, but it's gonna slow digestion, you know? so. If you want to put that at the end of the day, you know, in theory, it's going to it's going to slow it at mm-hmm. the end of the day. If you pair it with, let's say, some kind of once again, a slower digesting protein like casein or some kind of milk protein. And is that going to help you, you know, sleep better? Maybe because you're not going to wake up in the middle of the night with a growling stomach. And I'm sure you've been there, you know, in contest prep where you do wake up after a few hours of sleep and your stomach's growling and you're like, damn, what do I do? So having a higher fat meal at the end of the day may help keep you more sustained during your sleep, which in theory will help you sleep a little better. So maybe that's what you're getting at, you know, with your higher fat meal at the end of the day. Yeah, I Mm. totally agree. I think that's, yeah, I think the one thing that I found out through trial and error is that I need something decent pre-bed both mm-hmm. in terms of volume, like you said, yes. and psychologically rewarding, and also some some fat in there, and and mm-hmm. and your sleep is so integral. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, <sighs> like I hear I hear people say, you know, oh, no, I'm so so starving. I only got like two hours, three hours sleep. Oh damn, yeah. Like your fat loss is it is going to be significantly hampered by yes. that sleep quality. Right. Um, you know, you see your. I know I see it with myself is my most efficient fat phase f- blocks are when I'm sleeping just like really well. Yes, and absolutely. Mm-hmm. It gets difficult when I'm not it, like training performance obviously goes down the gutters, recovery right. goes to shit and mm-hmm. you just feel horrible. Like you feel 10 times worse because of your sleep quality. Right. Um, one last question and this is a good question that you had on your Facebook status from mm-hmm. one of your friends. Now, how would you approach the idea of training twice a day? Ah, I'm, what changes with regards to nutrient timing as a result of this? And right. if you could cover both sides of you know, the individual that maybe isn't weight training twice a day. Uh, okay. So someone that's doing cardio in the morning, weight, mm-hmm. training, weight training in the evening just to... Right. separate this and then someone also that resist that does resistance train in the a.m and the Watch. p.m okay yeah. yeah i only and it's not even one of my clients it's actually another pro bodybuilder that i know who who trains twice a day and i commend him for doing that i don't know Is how he jose? handles that <laughs> it's it's jose yeah. yeah uh he's he's a freak shout out to jose he's competing this weekend uh hopefully you do well brother but uh, he he trains twice a day, and I don't know how his training set up because Chris Bearcat does his, his I asked diet. Him. <laughs> I'm okay. so sneaky. But, I think yeah. what he does, so he does basically single body parts. So he'll do. Okay. It's not your traditional. It's not like so. If you've seen like how Jared Feather or yep. uh, Mike Ishtarma set it up with right. basically your, they will set it up in the way where you do your compound work in the AM and more isolation mm-hmm. stuff in the okay. PM. Yeah. He he simp. As far as I know, he simply does one body part in the AM, another body part okay. in the PM. Okay. All right, cool. So, you know, somebody that's doing, we'll start with two training sessions, two weight training sessions, because okay. that's a little bit more intensive. Sure. Uh, as we covered before, you know, you're going to want to replenish the glycogen stores post workout mm-hmm. right away. So, that's when the dextrose or some kind of high glycemic carb is going to come into play especially if you're gonna be training similar body parts. Now, I'm sure they're smart enough to train different types of body parts. They're not gonna be training you know, chest in the AM and shoulders in the PM, right? Because those are two pretty similar body parts, right? If they're doing a push and a pull, I could see how they're getting away with it. But once again, it's gonna come how you're structuring your program, which you know, is a huge factor. But let's say they have everything taken care of programming-wise, you know, can you get away with it? Well, obviously they, they do and they get great results from it. But 
you're going to want to see you know a high spike of of protein and carbohydrates post workout in my opinion especially with the two training periods now yeah. if you're doing let's say cardio in the morning and then weight training in the evening i think that was the other one that you mentioned depending on the type of cardio that you're doing if you're doing a high intense you know cardio session if you're doing hit in the morning and let's say you go to train legs in the evening, right? So you're taxing your legs in the morning, you're taxing your legs in the evening. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're definitely going to want to once again get some kind of high glycemic carb post-workout to replenish those glycogen stores as quickly as possible. Now, if you're doing hit in the morning or if you're doing, let's say, lists, you know, like a lot of the bodybuilders are doing this year, you know, walking around, filming yourself like you do, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually might, I might do that next year. When I go to diet, I might jump on the bandwagon there. Um, you don't need to replenish your glycogen stores because you're not taxing your legs. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you, you could tell me, you know, do you feel taxed from walking around like you do getting your steps in, in the morning mm. if you go to squat in the evening? I mean, I don't. But the thing is, Brandon, I do – so most of my days in the week, I, well, I do four days where I actually do a stair mill. Um, okay. now you might not have seen this because I don't tend to, I don't tend to put it on my Instagram story. I don't right. think, but four days of the week in the morning, I do a stair mill. Now, okay. the stair mill is very high impact, okay. but yep. at a low, at a low level, a low intensity where your heart rate is quite low. I don't tend to feel taxed from it with regards to my legs. However, mm-hmm. however, the reason that I potentially am retaining my squat so well is that I just don't, I just stay off my feet quite heavily before those sessions so it's all it's all periodized in a way that maximizes my leg training performance so i would agree that if i was doing stamina in the morning legs Mm -hmm. in the evening i almost definitely think that there would be a adverse effect and the way of getting around that is i don't think you'd be able to recover that from a nutrition point of view i think you just have to periodize it um, and situate it in a way that allows you to retain your training performance. Right. But w- what's your opinion also on like training twice a day? And obviously you mentioned high glycemic carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. What about um, uh, fast digesting protein sources post-workout on either end of the scale? Like, do you think that would make any difference? And would you would you utilize that at all? Like, for example, having if you did AM AM morning session and then had like chicken would egg mm-hmm. whites or a whey isolate be a better option right uh, you know at the, at the end of the day i don't think it's going to make too much of a difference honestly okay. uh just because if you're eating enough protein throughout the course of your day mm. you would in theory have the amino acids flowing through your system at all times sure. where you're constantly going to be repairing yourself so it's an, a lot of people don't realize that you know i slam a protein shake you know, that protein doesn't digest like that, right? It takes hours and hours and hours to break down and to actually turn into amino acids. Uh, So, you know, you don't necessarily have to, you know, slam a protein shake after, you know, both training sessions if if you're already eating enough protein throughout the course of the day. Now, is it going to help spike protein synthesis immediately after? Let's say if you're only, you know, eating five meals a day and two of those big protein spikes are post-workout? Sure. I could see that helping, but as long as you're getting, you know, let's say 1.3 grams per pound of body weight of protein in per day, I don't think it's going to have that much of an added effect, you know, as long as you're still getting in enough. Sure, sure. So, you know, this this brings it back to the the whole discussion. It's like, you know, make sure that you're nailing your basics and nailing yes. nailing the things that really, really do matter, and then the things that are on top of that that you can maximize, like you will learn them over time. And a a lot of it Mm -hmm. comes down to a little bit of trial and error with regards to nutrient timing. Like there are fundamentals that lie in place and that you can learn from this podcast and this episode. But a lot of the time, like when you do implement those strategies, like we were talking about pre-intra, post-workout carbs, Mm -hmm. et cetera, people will respond differently to that and there's yes. like there's a load of factors that are going to influence your ability to sort of like digest nutrients and, oh, yeah. and also like your, your preference based needs so you know i think i think the the main take home is like nail your basics take home the fundamentals and then apply preference like would you agree with that oh yeah, yeah absolutely and and like you said it's, it's going to be on an individual basis you know and let's say you know 
dextrose versus cluster dextrin or the amount of intra-workout carbs that you have, sure. you know, that right there, that's going to be a lot of personal preference because sometimes, you know, it's going to create you to be gassy and that's the last thing you want to do is be squatting heavy and have, <laughs> have gas. Especially you in know, white leggings. Or, right, especially <laughs> in white leggings. Or, you know, the size of your pre-workout meal, that's going to be on a personal basis too because, you know, how soon are you going to be training, you know? If you eat a huge pre-workout meal an hour before you train, once again, it's not going to be digested. That might hinder performance. Mm. Or if you eat it, if you eat a small pre-workout meal way too far in advance, once again, that might also hinder your performance because you know your blood sugar is going to be dropping. And then if you don't have those high glycemic carbs before, you know, then your blood sugar is not going to be able to spike. So that might also hinder you. So it's finding that that happy medium where you're digested but you're still fueled for the workout. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I notice huge individual variances in in the ability to handle certain meals at certain times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, like, I I don't know what it is with my stomachs, but I think I've got, like, literally a cast iron stomach. Like, I can literally eat (laughs) anything pre-workout. And I, I... just I, I can train i never oh, really? i don't I, I don't think i've ever been ill i, I don't know whether, really do yeah. i not train hard enough i don't know i've never yeah. been sick <laughs> so like i i think i can literally handle anything the only issue sometimes is like when i do have high refeeds i have <laughs> in the past try to because i've got diet brain on i've tried to like right. volumize my 600 grams of carbs and then i'm like whoa like i've got like literally a food baby but yeah. other than that like i can handle like in the off season i was eating like huge meals pre-workout mm-hmm. slamming it down me black coffee in the car go to the gym oh, wow. whereas, yeah whereas yeah. some other people need a good like 30 minutes to an hour i don't need any oh time. i'm i'm at two hours honestly wow uh, that's interesting yep. mm-hmm. yeah wow. and that's where i find i'm i'm most comfortable uh, and that, and you know, since I do take you know the the pre-workout carbs, uh, I I want to get that that extra spike. And Very I also nice. feel like depending on what pre-workout you're taking, it can be less effective if you have too much food in your system. That's so good, I don't know if yeah, you've ever that's noticed. Good point. That's a good point. But if I eat too close and then I go to slam my pre-workout in the same dosage, I no- I notice it's less effective. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like when you go for a while without food in a prep. Right have a black coffee and you're like high as a kite <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so like, basically it, you're like wired so i yep. i do see that um i'm personally not a huge fan of stimulants like mm-hmm. I, I i i literally never use pre-workouts i just use black coffee i mean really? if mm-hmm. if if i was using a stimulant i think that i would think about that especially yep. when it got deeper into prep and i was maybe right. relying a bit more on the stimulants based pre's mm-hmm. but for now definitely sort of a, a black coffee does the job um so yeah awesome brandon i think we we, we've covered some awesome topics today and i hope the listeners have taken like home a lot of things from this i really i I really do think they will i think um i've thoroughly enjoyed your company on this podcast and i think we'll definitely come back for a for a future episode i think people will really like this one yeah absolutely i'd love to come back and uh just thanks again for having me on hope everybody enjoyed it and i know we covered a lot you know, hopefully in future times, we'll be able to dive into a little bit more detail about some of the things that we briefly touched on. Uh, but thanks again, AJ. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, awesome, Brandon. And one more one more question for you whilst we're still yeah. here is, is just um, for anyone that wants to continue to follow you and your mm-hmm. staff and potentially if they if they love you so much and they immediately want to inquire <laughs> for coaching, um, how, how, can, <laughs> how can they do this? And where's best to, to both contact you and follow you on, on, on socials? Yeah, so I am. I'm most active on Facebook, Brandon Wattis. You know, okay. under my Facebook name. Cool. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, bwattis9. Uh, but then I also have a website, teamironmanagement.com. Uh, any of those ways, you know, are the best to contact me. My email is on all of them. Uh, so yeah, guys, if you want to sign up with me, <laughs> go for it. I'll uh, advertise on AJ's channel. <laughs> you have to be a figure athlete, though. He's a figure yeah, specialist. <laughs> figure specialist, man, coming at you, boom. <laughs> but yeah, those cool, are those. Uh, I'm definitely most active on Facebook. You know, maybe next year when I go to dive into my contest prep, you know, I might start up a YouTube. I probably will be getting oh, a little please bit more active. Please do. Yeah, on on Instagram as prep kind of dives in. Just because people like to tune in a little bit more, see what I'm doing. Uh, so next year, it'll probably be getting a little bit more active, you know, on the Instagram with the with the stories and everything. I do use it, 
not as much as you do right now, but Facebook is is where I have my my best outlet. Yeah, no, awesome. I mean, I, I think people would love to see more of you, Brandon, and like I, I'd love to see more of you. Like, I think if you it like what people worry about sometimes and i'm not saying that you do but people worry about like having the special camera or having the special editing skills like either (laughs) yeah well i mean people would uh, would just love to see you talk about where you're at and what you're doing like obviously you're a pro and i love following the pros like i'm following like obviously nunez prep i'm following jared feathers prep yep it just motivates the hell out of me. And, and next year you can make me feel well and truly fat when I'm in an off season and you're <laughs> dieting. So, um, no, Brandon, and um, thank you very much for, for coming on. Obviously with regards to all your, uh, bits and pieces, socials, I'll leave links to all of them in cool. the uh, section below. And yeah. guys, if you have any like extra questions that you wanted to potentially ask me or Brandon about nutrient timing or any other topics, um then leave them in the comment section and we'll try and get back to them um if if there's any there that, that are specific to brandon and he doesn't see them i'll i'll, I'll chase him <laughs> yeah I'll, uh, I'll make sure to look at it awesome cool amazing um and yeah guys thank you very much for listening to episode 41 i'll see you back in episode 42 uh and yeah cheers brandon all right thanks aj appreciate it